Amen, amen. Well, thank God for another opportunity to sow good seed into good ground. Trust you've been using your faith and preparing uh, all month for this uh, opportunity to sow. Uh, praise God. You know, uh, our envelope said um, that we've outlined, every month I'll outline a goal of what we, you know, basically what we need to continue to move forward. And so $125 times, I think, however many 40 envelopes, if I get my math right, I'm guessing that's about $5,000. And real easy for us. Amen. And goes a long way. Uh, it's really going to help us uh, to keep our laborers going, to have that money in the bank. Uh, because a lot of it, we have bought all the material, I believe, that we need for the most part. That's all bought and paid for. Uh, but there's a lot of skilled labor to go in for the finished work that's going on. So, amen. The labor's worthy of their hire. And uh, the contractors around this region, they love our church because we pay our bills. Amen. We're easy to work with. And uh, so I know that as you sow into God's house, I want you to believe for something for your house. Amen. You know, you own a home, that means maintenance. It means there's constantly things that come up, things that you want to do, things that need to be done, things you want to upgrade. Amen. And so you should name your seed, right? And if you've got some other pressing thing, say, Father, I'm sowing for a harvest for this. I, I am believing that you'll do this for me and my family. Amen. Uh, praise God. And God's just doing so many wonderful things. Praise God. Sister Susie brought, drove up a, a new vehicle she'd been believing for all year. It came to pass. She drove it to church this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. A lot of us could, t- could say that this year. Praise God. Miss Cheryl's been driving a new car to, to church lately. Amen. And uh, so praise God. So we're going to pray and release our faith and believe for uh, 40 $125 gifts to come in. Come on, that's easy. 40 of us to give $125. Can we do it? Yes. If you'll do your part, we'll do our part, and it'll all, come, it'll all come in. It'll all come to pass. Father, we just so thank you for your faithfulness as we uh, edge and press closer to the completion of the assignment uh, to finish this first phase building. I thank you that you're faithful, you have been, all, and you will be all the way to the end. So thank you, Father God, that you're speaking to hearts right now about a, you know, a seed of $125 or whatever the best they could be. For many of us, the best they could sow would be a lot more than that. Uh, for others, uh, you know, the best they could do would be less than that. But you would, you would, heaven would call it generous. Heaven would call it bountiful. Heaven would call it willing and obedient. And I just so thank you, Father, that as they sow into this house, that God, you're sowing into their house. You're going to bless their house, whether it's their physical home, they have things they need to do, or another project that they're believing God for. I mix my faith with them, that it'll all come in, that the harvest belongs to them, that you'll be glorified in the completion of this house and in the blessing on their life. Father, for us, it's a joy to sow, and we release our faith as we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so our altars are open again. You may come and bring your special projects offering. Hi, how are you? Good, good.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bible this morning to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6 is where we'll begin today. And uh, I wanted to uh, thank again everyone who has been and is so faithfully serving in the ministry of helps in this church. Uh, I just want to express my continuing gratitude for all of your kindness, your acts of service, your love uh, in serving in your, in your assigned health, helps ministry pos, uh, position. Uh, it just means so much to me. I know it does the Lord and be active in believing for your harvest and your crown and all of that. Amen. You're going to be glad you served when you uh, see Jesus face to face. And you're going to be sorry that you didn't. You're going to regret not having served if you didn't. So I want to make a continued invitation and appeal. We need more people to help us serve, even if it's once every five weeks, you know, in our children's ministry would be a huge, huge blessing. Uh, praise God. In, in any age group, we've got the infant group. Then we have the what group? Uh, the walking to two years old. That's a fun age. And then two and three year olds and then we have four and five year olds and then we get up into our children's church age so if you are not serving and you could and you're willing to serve uh, let us know uh, we need more help we are actively believing our church is growing and we have to have the infrastructure amen in place for God to uh, obviously add the precious people and families that he intends to add to our church and uh, praise God many hands make for light wonderful easy work and appreciate it so much. Praise God. All right. So let me find this uh, scripture myself in this other Bible. And we're going to have some fun today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I also, uh, while I'm looking this up, encourage everyone, if you don't come to Wednesday night, do you realize that we have Wednesday night church? <laughs> we do. We have a Wednesday night service. And uh, you should be there. I mean, if there's not a compelling reason why you can't, you should be. And if you're walking around thinking, well, you know, God understands and pastor understands. Well, I'll say for my, I won't speak for God, but I'll speak for me. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> Amen. Uh, praise God. If you can be here and you're not, uh, you made a covenant, if you're a member with this church, to be here. And it's not so that I can feel good about seeing you. It's because I need you and you need the ministry that's coming out every time the doors are open. Look around, church. These are, these are different days. These are different days. And, and every day, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity to keep our minds in the right flow and in the right direction. Because you see so much sorrow and so much pain and so much difficulty in so many lives around us. And, uh, you know, it could be easy to slip over into worry, slip over into fear. Uh, slip over into this thing of, uh, well, if that happened to them, it could happen to me. And amen. Go back and remember Psalm 91 says, Though a thousand may fall at your left side and ten thousand at your right hand. What did it say? It shall not come near me. Now that's not going to happen to... If you're going to ha not have things happen that happens to a thousand people on your left and ten thousand people on your right side, you're going to have to be living very different. To be the one out of 11,000 that it doesn't happen to. Right? And so there are, there are specific qualifications in Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. 
and abides under the shadow of the Almighty. They shall say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. And then they, it goes on and just says they have an active faith in God's protective power. He is both my shield and my buckler. I shall not fear the arrow that flies by day or the noisome pestilence that lays waste at noonday. Amen? Because the Lord is my habitation. Because... The Lord is my dwelling place. No evil will befall me. Neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. For He has given His angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. Now who is that? The one who has made God their home. They live in the presence of God. That doesn't mean they live in a closet somewhere, praying all the time. It means that they are... They are conscious of His presence, dwelling in His presence. They fellowship with the Lord everywhere they go. Amen. Amen. They talk to God. They invite God. They're serving God. They're worshiping God. They trust in God. God is their world. Amen. Amen. And then they're saying the right thing. God says, I will be with that person in trouble. I will deliver them. I will honor them. When they cry out to me, I will answer them. I will satisfy them with long life. And I will show them my salvation. It's up to you and I, each one individually, to make that psalm our testimony. And it's wonderful to quote all those things. He gives me long life and he's my sheep, right? Amen. But are you qualified? Are you doing the things? And these are things that are done by faith. Amen. Amen. And so we have been talking in the uh, Sunday morning uh, services for a number of weeks now about living by faith, walking by faith. What a subject for right now. What a subject for the time that we are living in. Amen? We're in Hebrews 6. Stay there. I'll be there momentarily. But in Hebrews 11, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to satisfy God. Without, if you don't have faith in Him, then He's not pleased with you. And you can't satisfy His requirements. The word please in the Greek literally means satisfy. You know, certain, you have to, to gain benefits in many things, you have to satisfy certain requirements, don't you? God's requirement to satisfy Him that gives you access into all that He's made available for you is your faith in Him. Well, what is faith in Him? Faith is believing. Faith is believing. Faith is trusting. And you know, uh, you can't believe someone. You can't trust someone you don't know. So don't don't get into this thing that you say, "I'm, I'm a person of faith. If you don't have a living, ongoing, growing fellowship with God through the person of Jesus Christ, through prayer and through the Word of God, right? Then you don't know Him. And if you don't know Him, it's impossible for you to trust Him. It's impo- the, the, the requirement is not believe in God. Don't think that. I think a lot of people, they trip on that, right? I believe in God, therefore, I, no. The Bible says that Satan and the demons believe in God. But are they blessed for that? No, they're still going to Hades. They're still headed for the lake of fire. And, and people out there, God bless them. If they believe in God... But they never, right, 
trust Him and appropriate a relationship with Him. You know, Satan and the devil and God are not in fellowship. Right? They're not hanging out together. They're not buds. They're not pals. They're not friends. So don't mistake believing in God for having faith in Him, trusting Him. You see, the aim is to get to where you trust God and what He says like you trust the word of your best friend or your spouse or the word of your lawyer or the word of your banker or the word of your doctor. How many of you have ever maybe gone to the counter back before tech uh, has given us instant access to all of our accounts? And uh, maybe you're trying to reconcile your checking account. You go up to the counter at the credit union or whatever and say, well, how much money do I have in my, how, how much money do I have in my account? And you go, hold on a minute. Da, 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 da. Yeah, and she gives you a number. Mm-hmm. Well, she just told you a number. How many of you, you walked away and you, that was the number? Right. You didn't question it? You didn't say, pull the money out and put it on the counter so I can see it. You didn't do that, right? You didn't say, I demand evidence. I demand proof. You'd be kind of wild if you did that, I mean, right? So faith is a lot. Don't stumble over the simplicity of faith. When God says something in His Word, when God whispers something to your spirit, do you believe Him? Do you, do you trust Him like you would the word of your doctor, your lawyer, your banker, your best friend? You read something in His Word and you go, oh, boy, that's nice, but I don't know. You don't trust Him. You don't trust Him. You don't, you don't trust what He said. See, a lot of people, they're laboring in the Word and laboring in the Word is good, but when are you going to believe what He said? When are you going to believe that you receive from what He said? That's when you move over into faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we're going to continue talking about faith this morning as the Lord would help us. So, in Hebrews chapter 6, looking at verse number uh, 12, I believe, that's the one I, I... We're going to read 11 and 12. And taking a special note of verse number 12, King James says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful or lazy, but followers of them who through faith inherit the promises. Or did I skip something? I skipped something, didn't I? That you be not slothful, that you be not lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So the title of my message this morning is Faith's First Cousin. Faith has a close relative. Faith has a pal that it runs with. And it's a necessary ingredient if you're ever going to get to the manifestation of the thing you're believing God for. Amen. Amen. And that is patience. Now, again, aren't we just so excited about that word? (laughs) Right? Praise God. 
We all have flesh today, don't we? We all have flesh in our bones. When does our flesh want it? Everybody got a, we got that quiz 100% right, right? Everybody got that one right. Amen. When do we want it? Now. Now. When do we want it? Praise God. Hallelujah. When do we want the traffic to clear and start flowing? Now. 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 Amen. When do we want to feel better in our body? Yeah, now, now, now. When do we want the breakthrough? Now, now. When do we want out of the pressure? Now. And, uh, but faith has a cousin. And without the cousin, the first cousin of patience will often never arrive at the answer. Because God says that faith and patience are required. Amen? Let's read these verses again. Uh, 11 and 12 of chapter 6. And so it says, And we desire that every one of you, would that include you? That would include me. Do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. Bible hope is a positive, living expectation of something good. And we're to be diligent to have that for how long? Until the end. Until the end. What does he mean the end? Until this entire Christian program on earth wraps up. Until our entire life is done. Until you arrive in heaven. We are supposed to be diligent in our expectation of our salvation and everything good from God until the end. Well, how are we going to do that? The Bible tells us in the very next verse. Amen? He says, number one, you're going to have to not be lazy. Amen. You know, I I know some folks who, when you look at their natural life, a lot of my friends, a lot of my guys, you look at their natural life, their work ethic, and you would not call them lazy. They, They work, they labor, they're diligent. Whether it's in a cubicle in the office, or whether it's out in a construction job, whatever it is they're doing, they apply themselves. You look at their homes, you look at their lawns, you look at their thing. They are not lazy. But when you look at their spiritual life, they are fat lazy. Amen. They don't read the Bible. They don't come to church. They don't serve. They don't pray. They don't, they don't practice the key spiritual disciplines that's going to make for a victorious life. Amen. And so when it comes to spiritual things, they're lazy. And being lazy spiritually will cost us much. It will cost us much. And it will make you lean on the diligence of your sweat and your brow a lot more than you would really have to. If you'll learn to trust God. Amen. Oh, I'm I'm anticipating it getting quieter as we go. (laughs) Amen, that'll be up to you. Notice what it says. It says, don't be lazy, that you be not slothful. The Amplified Bible says, in order that you may not grow disinterested. Amen. People can grow disinterested with the spiritual disciplines of Christianity and being a believer. Amen? 
People can grow disinterested with the Bible, disinterested with the Word, disinterested with prayer. Amen. We have to watch ourselves. I said we have to watch ourselves. That we don't grow disinterested and become, the Amplified Bible says, spiritual sluggards. We're spiritually lazy. But imitators. So here's the next instruction. He says, number one, be diligent. Don't get disinterested. Don't get bored. Amen. Don't, get, don't let yourself become spiritually lazy. And then the next instruction is follow. Find someone to follow. <laughs> you know, I hear this a lot, and it mostly comes from people who don't have a church and don't have a pastor, so that wouldn't be you this morning. And they say, I don't need that church. I don't need a pastor. I got Christian TV, and really all I need is Jesus anyway. Well, you're really showing your ignorance of the Bible. All you need is Jesus to get to heaven. That's true. To be saved, all you need is Jesus. But if you want to live in the blessing and be fruitful and please God on the earth, you need someone more than Jesus. Jesus said so. Amen. Don't turn there, but the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, Amen. Uh, Around verse 10 or 12, that he, when he, Jesus, was raised up, when he ascended to heaven after his resurrection, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, that they might grow into maturity. Become a full-grown Christian. Did Jesus say, does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 4? Look it up for yourself. Amen. When Jesus left the earth to take His glorified seat at the Father's right hand as the head of the church, as our high priest, as our Savior, amen, thank God He did and is, He gave gifts unto men on the earth. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and the teachers. Why did He give them? For the perfecting for the maturing, for the growing up of the saints. So to say, I don't need a church, I don't need a pastor, you're attempting to say, I don't know, I know you didn't mean that, amen, but now you know you're thinking yourself smarter than the Lord. Because if Jesus said you need a pastor, if Jesus said you need a local church, honey, you need one. I need one. Amen. What did this text say? Praise God. Imitate, the Amplified Bible says. Find someone. It's just helpful. I believe in Jesus, but I've never seen Him. I'm going to one day, but I haven't seen Him with my eyes. But that's why I have faith. That's why I have faith. But it's nice. I'm glad. I'm so grateful that God put someone in my life that I could see. Who's out ahead of me in faith. Who's out ahead of me in spiritual maturity. Who's taken ground I've not yet taken. Who's come into revelation and light that I don't yet walk in. And God put them in my life to give me somebody to follow. Somebody whose faith is working for them. I don't know why we would want to follow someone who's failing in faith. You want to find someone who's winning in faith. Oh, come on. Praise God. You know, the outcome of our lives is going to depend in a great degree 
uh, to the ones, you know, based on who we follow. Amen. Praise God. So he said, find someone to follow. Follow what? Follow what? Well, it says, but imitators, behaving as do those who through faith, by their leaning of their entire personality on God in in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, and by the practice of patient endurance and waiting, are now inheriting the promises. Amen. And that's what God intends your pastor to be. He intends your pastor to be someone who is winning in faith. Amen? And, and I hope that uh, you all can hear my heart. I am endeavoring to win in faith. My wife and I. To be people of faith. Amen? And we're not perfect, but we are producing some faith fruit. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that God has put people in my life. Amen? And I can look and see, I say, wow. I mean, look, at I, I'm watching them. I'm watching their manner of life. I'm looking at how they live, how they talk, what they do, how they pray. And I, I, I mean, I, we watched Pastor Nancy when her husband went home. What did she say? She needed like $4 million for various things pressing on her. And she, she had a dad, an earthly papa, who said, Honey, if you need any money, just let me know. I can have you a million dollars. Just give me a day and I can have you a million dollars. And she, she refused to go that route. She refused to go that route. Now why? Because she, wanted, she didn't want to sacrifice her testimony to her dad who didn't know the Lord as well as she did. Amen. She didn't want the, her testimony to be, Daddy bailed me out. And she stood in faith, and come on, all those millions came in. Now see, that's, that's, that's one I'm following. That, that's one that I'm following. Amen. I, I so thank God that God put a man like Dr. Jacobs into my life. Amen. Who, when God said, get an airplane, got an airplane, and believed God, and the airplane came in, and all the money, and all the cost, and every well, when God said, go to the nations, go to South America, go to dangerous places, and he just went, and believed God, and trusted God, and all the money came, and he'd never been mugged, or robbed, or, or hurt, or attacked. Amen. Amen. See, I have people in my life that I can look at and say, wow. And then I can, I can listen to them. I have their teachings, I have their life, I have their example. Amen. You know, in the life of Dr. DeFran, I don't think, uh, for my part, I know I didn't build this building by myself. I know a lot of you, you built it with me. And none of us didn't do it without God. But for my part, I don't think I could have done it without the example and the supply of Dr. DeFran, who built many buildings for God. Amen. I'm just saying, praise God. Does the Bible say follow? We need to be good followers. But then there are, let's get to it, these traits. These traits that we're to, and if they don't have these traits at work in them, don't follow them. It says, who through faith and patience inherited the promises. So we see that it was not just their faith that enabled them to inherit what God had promised. They had the first cousin of faith. They had the pal of faith. 
They had the best friend of faith. They had patience. So what is patience? Well, patience is not what most humans think it is. Where it's a a forced abiding of time with a bad attitude. You know, waiting with a bad attitude, that's not patience. That's not Bible patience. Amen? Bible patience literally means constancy, unchangeableness, unwaveringness. It's joyful waiting. Joyful waiting. That's what Bible patience is. So he said through faith and joyful waiting. Through faith and being the same. Day after day after day, that's the kind of person that will inherit the promise of healing in their life. The promise of blessings in their life. Breakthrough in their life. In the Bible, who is the father of our faith? His name is Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. The Bible said so. The Bible says in Isaiah that we should look to the rock from which we were hewn, that we should look to the cloth from which we were cut, to Abraham and to Sarah. Well, do we see faith in Abraham's testimony? Oh my, oh yes. When God's voice showed up and said, Take thy son, thy only son, to the place that I will show you and offer him to me there, sacrifice him to me there, kill him there. He went and did it. And the servants went so far and then he told the servants to stay and he grabbed the wood and the kindling and the knife and the rope and the boy. And what did he say to the servants? He said, the lad and I will be back. What is he thinking? What is he believing? Well, he's going to do what God told him. But he knows what God told him before that. He promised him a son and that from his loins would come a people that the stars in the sky in count and number could not be compared to. And so another word comes that says, take him to the mount and kill him. Well, he will, but he believed that God would have to, he would to keep his covenant on the previous promise, raise him from the dead. Because that word cannot be annulled. It's a promise from God. Amen. And so that, this is the kind of faith we're talking about operating in this man. He just flat went and did it. And the angel had to scream at him two times to get him to stop. If you're wondering why would God do that, he never asked another human being to do anything like that. See, it's about covenant. Jesus, he's trying, God's trying to get His Son into the earth to die. So when a man down there is willing to give His Son as a sacrifice in death, it gives God an opening and a covenant responsibility. And that's what that was about. That's what that was about. But that took faith. That took faith. But do you remember the project of faith in getting Isaac, Abraham's firstborn son? Into the earth. God said, I'm going to bless you. And in blessing, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you a son. 
in your old age. Did he have a boy nine months later? (laughs) Did he have a boy 18 months later? Anybody know how long? God gave him the promise when he was 75. When he was 85, he did not have a son. When he was 90, he did not have a son. When he was 95, he did not have a son. For 25 years, Abraham believed. And actually, if you read it, he wasn't believing perfectly. God maneuvered and worked and and had to get him over, you know, changed his name because he wasn't talking right and all that. But, amen, he stayed with it. He made the changes. God worked with him. None of us are perfect. Amen. This is the father of our faith. He is our example. Are you perfect? No. Amen. Do we need tweaking? Oh, of course we do. But God's good and God's faithful. He'll help us. But Abraham, the Bible says about him in Romans chapter 4 that he did not stumble at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not waver in his faith that God would fulfill his promise. And you've got to know, what do you think is going through his mind? He couldn't have a baby, he and Sarah, in the prime of their life. It was impossible when God gave him the promise at 75. What do you think he's thinking at 80? In his mind. What do you think he's thinking at 90? With every passing day, it gets more impossible. It becomes more improbable. With every wrinkle that appears on their faces, it testifies, it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen. If it would have happened, it would have happened by now. And how many of us have... Fallen for that thought and given up on our faith because we said to ourselves, if it was going to happen, it would happen by now. No, see, friend, it takes faith and it takes patience. I said it takes patience. You have to be constant, you have to be the same if you're going to get to the manifestation, if you're going to get to the answer. Hallelujah. Go over to the book of James with me. It's just the book to the right. We're doing good on time. Everybody good? Hallelujah. I mean, this is really, you know, any of us could believe God, you know, like, uh, I don't know what the good phrase would be. I mean, we could just really be good believing God for a day. I mean, we're on it. We're We're fiery. We're full of faith for a day. But you get someone to steadfastly believe for their healing for a week while they deal with pain, that's rare. I said, that's rare. You see, without patience, you'll give up and quit. Faith won't fail. But you'll let, without patience, you'll lay your faith down. Without patience, you'll quit on your faith. You'll lay it aside in impatience. So we need to be excited about patience and developing patience in our life. You know, in God's dealings with you, some of you are just beginning your walk with God. Some of you have just rededicated your life last week to the Lord or gave your life to Him for the... Listen, it's going to take patience. 
you're not going to look like Jesus perfectly tomorrow. He's going to chip away at you and chip away at you and chip away at you. And he's going to use your pastor to chip away at you and chip away at you. And, and it'll be line on line and it'll be, it'll be step by step. And, and uh, in, in all of it, God, God looks at the end product. And that's how he deals with you today. Isn't that wonderful? He looks at me by faith today. He deals with me today based on him having completed his work in me someday in the future. We'd all be kind of sunk, right, With, if it wasn't for... How many of you know our God has faith? And you want to talk about patience. You know, the day Adam fell into sin, he prophesied Satan's defeat. It came to pass 4,000 years later. He decreed it, and it came to pass 4,000 years later. <laughs> we can't believe God for a week. Amen? Well, we ought to be able to. Look at James chapter 1, and again, I'll read from my Amplified. It says, James, a verse 1, chapter 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered abroad among the Gentiles in the dispersion. Greetings. Consider it wholly joyful. Right? In other words, consider it complete joy, my brethren. Whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort, or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith, it produces something. What does it bring about? It brings about endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work. I wrote down in my Bible here, the work that this work this is doing is in me. It's not around me, it's in me. So that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you want to be a person that is not defective? Well, faith without patience is deficient. It's defective. It's missing a, it's missing a vital part. It's missing a key component. Amen? And, uh, you know, this is why God will actually allow, He will create opportunities for you to practice. I mean, praise God, you got faith. But you don't have endurance. Well, how do you, how do you build endurance? What produces endurance? Going through things you'd rather not. For longer than you'd rather be in it. Yes. <laughs> I'm not talking about God making you sick because He doesn't do That's that. Right. Come on. Amen. But you just think if all our prayers were answered, answered 60 seconds after we prayed them, well, we'd have faith. Yeah. But we would have no patience. 
And patience is the fruit of the Spirit. God is patient and He wants us to be patient. So He's not going to answer all your prayers the first day you pray them. And there'll be things in your life that God might tell you about and it's not for then. It's not for tomorrow. It's not for that year. It might not even be that decade. I have things written down in my journal. I am confident that I'm going to move into them. That, uh, praise God, God will bring them to pass in my life. Uh, And I'm not moved that it was seven years ago or whatever it was, eight years ago, nine years ago. Amen. God is a patient God. (laughs) Amen. And, And so God will just, you know, hold back a little. And He'll use not even matters of prayer to help you develop patience. When you find yourself on the highway... When you find yourself at, you know, number 59 car at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Amen. He'll stick you serving beside someone in the church you don't like. And a lot of people, they rebel against the will of God. They say, oh, I got a pastor, I, I can't serve there anymore. I, I, I can't serve there anymore. Why? Well, because it's uncomfortable. Oh. So Christianity is about comfort. Show me that in the Bible. Preaching good. I think about all those years. They seem like all those years. Really, my entire tenure at Church of the Harvest was under four years. But there were seasons that it felt like 25. Amen. Amen. And wondering, I was just sure at times that God forgot all about me. He had totally forgotten where I was. He's too busy running the universe. He put me on toilet duty and left me there. And then he left me there. And then he left me there. Amen. And then being in a major conference I was so looking forward to as in staff and finally sitting on the front row. And about the time the speaker got up to minister, the beeper went off. And you know, it was those beepers, you know, that, that could have a little text message put in them. And it said, you know, uh, malfunctioning toilet in the women's restroom. Yeah, I was in the flesh right then. It's amazing how fast you can go from being in the spirit to in the flesh. So I'm dressed like this, and where am I? I'm in a stall in the middle of somebody's mess. And I said out loud to myself in that stall, I said, ha, look at you, called to preach. I said out loud, you know what? The Lord heard me. He did. I found out He did. He thundered back at me. He said, yeah, and you're not going anywhere until you can do this with joy. You know what I did? Y'all know what I did. I got joyful. I danced myself a jig. Yes, I did. White boy from Oklahoma. With a plunger. Amen. Praise God. You know, I laugh at some of these so-called preachers coming up. You know. 
And they recognize the call to preach. And if they're not preaching next Sunday, they think God's, you know, fallen. The people hadn't recognized their gift. Oh, my. They haven't been to the same school of training that I went through. Amen. What did he say? He said, count it all joy. When what? When you find yourself. Right? So are we supposed to be just joyful, pleasant, wonderful, in good times only? You know, you don't have to count the good times joyful. Right? Because they're joyful. You, you feel joyful. You are joyful. It's a joyful thing. When do you have to count something joyful? When it's not. <laughs> when it's not. How do you do that? By faith. I said by faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Who gets to do this? Who's supposed to do this? All of us. All of us. All of us. All of us. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If you could see your faces. Come on, I want you to count it joy right now to be in church right now, hearing this message. What would that look like? What is it? What if you count something joy? I mean, you you're in the highway and man, you you got place, but you you violate your flesh. You you do what patience would call for when you feel like screaming at somebody. You just flat make yourself. I don't have time to to, to to retell you, but you remember all the times Brother Hagen faced death, faced impossibilities, when his heart starts failing in his chest and he starts going. Ha, ha, ha. He didn't say he felt like laughing. He said he felt like crying. But he said, ha, ha, ha. He said he just put it on. Ha, ha, ha. He said he did that for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I'm not going to make you do that for 10 minutes, but you, it'd be good for you. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And finally, ten minutes later, he said the devil said something to him. Now, how would you know when the devil spoke? He didn't hear a voice, but it came as a thought. When a negative thought comes, it's the devil talking to you. It's the devil talking to you. And the thought came and said, what are you laughing at? And recognizing that it was the devil, he said, I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing at you. And the devil said, right back to his mind, what are you laughing at me for? And the devil said, uh, well, because you're not, going to get, you're not going to get your healing. No, the devil said, what are you laughing at me for? He said, because you said I'm not going to get my healing. And the devil said, that's right. That's right. This will be one time you don't get healed. This will be the time you don't receive your healing. He went, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. For several more minutes. And then the thought came again. What are you laughing for? He said, I told you, devil. I'm laughing at you. What are you laughing at me for? Because you said, I'm not going to get my healing. That's right. That's right. This will be the one time you don't receive your healing. Ha, ha, ha. 
Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. The third time the voice came, the thought came in the words, what are you laughing at me for? He said, I told you. He told me. You told me I'm not going to get my healing. That's right. That's right. This will be the one time you don't get your healing. And he said something different this time. He said, devil, I'm not trying to get my healing. And then he reached over onto the nightstand and got his Bible out. And he said, now, I don't know, devil, whether you can read or not. <laughs> but just in case you can't. And he flipped to 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. He said, I'm not trying to get my healing. I already got it. Now all this time, let's go back. We're all happy now, thank God. But, amen, let's go back. What did he feel like? He felt like crying. What, were some, what, what would be some of the thoughts that you could imagine feeling or thinking when your heart fails in your chest and it's not beating right? And you've been dead before because of that very thing. To work up a ha, ha, that's faith. That's counting it joy when you don't feel it joyful. What does that produce? Patience, endurance, unchangeableness, steadfastness. He told the devil after he read 1 Peter 2, 24 and said, I'm not trying to get my healing. Jesus already got it for me. I'm already healed. He said, why don't you take all your symptoms and get out of here? And all those symptoms left. Amen. You know, the devil doesn't like to be laughed at. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, we're out of time today, but I tell you what, we need to add patience yeah. to our believing. Yeah. And learn and practice not to be moved or disturbed or upset when something doesn't come to pass instantly yeah. or in a day or in a moment. Amen? But learn what patience is. Faith is patient. Faith will stand and stand and stand like Abraham stood. And it will stand and be unchanging, not doubting one day, wondering the next day, confident the third day. No, no, no. The same. I'm constant. I'm steadfast. If God said it, it will come to pass. If He said it, it will come to pass. When we launched, I'm closing, but when we launched out to build this building, in my ignorance and naivete, and my wife too, we thought, we thought, when we sold our building and launched out, you know, and had paid, we thought a year and a half, two years tops, we'll be in that building. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Seven years later. Through many fires and floods, we had our first service in this building on bare concrete floors with gravel, no tile in the halls. Oh yeah, it looked different. I said, it looked different. And you know what? If you were here on opening day, you didn't care, I didn't care. I mean, we were happy to walk on gravel for about the first year. 
scuffing our shoes. It didn't bother us. Amen. We didn't care about bare concrete floors. Amen. Amen. Stay steadfast. Be strong. Amen. Don't change. The hope you have for your marriage, hold on to it. Hold on to it. The hope you have for your kids, hold on to it. Amen. You've got a faith project you need God to move for you and open doors and change circumstances, stay with it. If you've dealt with struggles, bad habits, addictions, listen. Stay with the Lord. Stay with the Lord. Stay with the Word. Stay with God's people. Don't change. Stay with it. Don't move. Don't, don't quit. I said you'll make it if you don't quit. Every one of us as a Christian, we will win if one thing. One thing. If you don't quit, you win. Because God will stay with you. If you'll stick with Him, He'll stick with you. You'll stumble and you'll fall. You'll make big mistakes. But if you'll stick with God, God will stick with you. And you will win if you don't quit. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many could say that helped them today? Hallelujah. That helped me today. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.